It's part of my personality that I always try to improve things. It doesn't matter if it's yaido or if it's cooking or learning some new things. I always try to be perfect, but I'm aware that you will never be perfect. But I try to get as close as possible. It's easy to say, but it's difficult to feel it in your heart that you will walk a path. And it's not about winning or losing or anything. You will always try hard. And if you lose, it's okay. And if you win, it's okay. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Tokskai Inside Look podcast. Today we're speaking with Melike Bayram from Essen, Germany. She's been training for over 15 years studying Muso Shinden Ryu under Rene Van Amersfoort Sensei and has achieved the rank of Yaido Yondan and Joro Sanda, as well as the chairman of the North Rhine Westphalian Yaido Federation. Melike has been a member of the German national Yaido team since 2014, earning the title of European Yaido champion in 2017 and was a member of the 2018 European Jodo Championship team. In this wide ranging conversation exploring Melike's Budo journey from childhood to present, I'm consistently reminded of how important mindset is to the practice of arts like Yaido and Jodo. At the highest levels of practice and competition, the physical requirements of the art give way to mental approaches and character building. Melike's honest drive for self improvement was evident throughout this interview, and I'm excited it can be shared with listeners around the world. So, without further ado, here's Melike Bayrin. Hi, my name is Malika, and I was born in Duisburg. It's in the western part of Germany, and I grew up in this area. When I was a child, I did a lot of different sports, for example, athletics, but I didn't do any martial arts at all. When I was about 10 to 13 years old, I get more interested in the Japanese culture and Japanese arts. This was mainly due to different types of movies that were in German TV. Samurai movies and also Japanese cartoons, so animes. And this was in German language. This was nothing that has been shown before. And I was quite interested also, especially in Source or in the Samurai movies. I cannot really say why, because it's strange when you're 10 years old and you're a girl. Your parents don't expect that you like these brutal things where people get killed. Even if the movies were not so brutal and it was just a movie. But I was very yeah, interested because it was completely different from anything that I've known before. I had no connections due to my parents to Asian culture in general. Step by step, I get interested and also I try to get more information through the internet. But at that time, it was very difficult because the internet was not so advanced. So I can remember that we had to pay per minute. So you had to be quite quick if you want to do a research on in the internet. And then, yeah, I tried to get more information. So I think this was the first time that I was in general interested in Asian culture, not especially Japanese, but in Asian culture. When you start searching up, up these things about Asian culture or Japanese stuff, did you have any collections on your computer, like photos or videos? I guess videos. <laughs> No, it, it was quite difficult. So I, I couldn't find much. Uh, probably I, I was too young or the knowledge was not so widely spread. I tried to find maybe also sports that have a connection to Asia. So I didn't search especially for Yaido, but I searched in general for martial arts and look what, what you can do. And then there was in the local area, there was something like Kung Fu or Karate. But this was close contact combat, 
and I, I didn't feel like I have to do close contact combat. I, I don't know why, but I would like to learn something where you have also a weapon. So it was not necessarily a Japanese sword, but it should be a weapon. And the problem was when you go for Kung Fu and Karate that they also do sports weapons, but this will only be done when you're more advanced. So you have to train several years and then later when you're advancing, you will also train the weapons. But so I searched for something where you can right up from the start train with a weapon. And then I found uh, it was very interesting in Dusseldorf that was about 30 kilometers away from my area, a Japanese sword club and they were training Yaido. So I said, this looks interesting. I never tried it, but I want to try that. But I, I was 13 years old and it was quite far away. And my mom said, no, you're crazy. You are not allowed to do this Japanese stuff. It's probably very dangerous. And additionally, it's 30 kilometers in one direction. So I will never drive you there. And then I was very disappointed. I said, look, maybe I can uh, take the train and drive by myself, but then it was not uh, allowed because I was too young. So you cannot drive at 10 o'clock in the evening alone with the train from one city to another. So it was very hard for me because at that time I was not allowed to start with that. So, so you're too young to start. It's 30 kilometers away. Did it end up moving closer or did you just have to wait and bide your time until you're old enough to do it on your own? Yeah, it was interesting. I, I mentioned in the beginning that I also did athletics for a long time. And it was one Monday evening where I trained uh, small children. They were around six, seven years old. I was 15, so it was two years later. There were a lot of children at that time in one sports hall. And then I told the other trainer, hey, look, maybe we can go to the small sports hall and we divide the groups because this is very crowded today. And then the guy said, look, this is not possible today, Malika, because in the small sports hall, there are two men doing sword fighting. I said, no, you're kidding me. I said, no, no, that's, that's the reality. I said, look, I'm sorry, but excuse me, I have to go to the small sports hall and check it out. And I was there and there were really two people doing sword fighting against each other. And it was very scary for me to see it because there were two men, probably 40 years old, and they were really fighting. It was the bamboo, Shinai. So I didn't know that at that time, but I was very frightened. I said, wow. But at the same time, I thought that is really, really cool because I want to do that too. Maybe there's a possibility to talk to that man that I also start with that because this sports hall is only 500 meters away from my current house. So that would be ideal. And then I can really remember that I was so frightened because they, it seemed to be so dangerous that I asked my trainer if he can go there later and ask the people where do they train normally because it was Monday and normally they are not in the sports hall. And then they said, look, um, normally we train on Wednesday, and if you like, um, of course, you can join our club. This was not Yaido, this was something else. But then they asked about my age, and I said 15. Then it was again a problem, because maybe you hurt each other, and then they say, normally we only take people when they are 18. So we had people, they were 16, but we experienced that they are too young and that they just wanted to um, hurt each other, and that's not the philosophy at all. So ideally, you should be 18. So this was also, again, 
something that I wanted to do, but then there was set a stop because I was again too young. That was also very frustrating. So I said, look, I really want to do that. I understand that the philosophy of a martial arts is not hurting each other. And please give it a try so that I can prove myself that I am not too young, that I can really do this sports according to martial art philosophy. And after a little bit talking, they agreed. And then I was allowed to join that club. It was also not so easy because most of the people were men and they were much older than me. And my mom always had to pick me up and bring me there because I was not 18 and the um, responsible trainer didn't want to have any responsibility if something happens. So I was always, even although I was 15, always my mom brought me to this sports club and picked me up and it was only 500 meters away from my home. <laughs> so, But this was something, uh, I was very happy at that time because this was the first step towards a martial art and I wanted to do something with a weapon. And this was one system, not Yaida, one system of the, my trainer. And I did that for 10 years. After five years, I entered university. I think I entered university when I was 19 years old. And then I saw some advertisement at the university. This was in Essen. And they advertised Yaido. So it was a nice summary and small text. And if you like, you can do this Yaido training on Friday. So I said, this is also something with a Japanese sword. Maybe it should go there. It's very cheap. You can check it out. And if you don't like it, after two months, you just stop and then that's it. So I decided to do this Yaido in parallel just to check what's the difference. Is there a different philosophy? Are there similarities? And this was for me also a little bit new, like a new world, because there were a lot of differences in between the two sports one that I experienced already for five years and the new one where I just joined. And I decided after a few months that I want to continue with Yaido because Yaido was for me a lot of fun and it was not so much about the people. There were mainly students because it was at the university and most of them were not very experienced or advanced. Most of them just booked one or two courses and then after a while, they didn't like it anymore or they stopped. But it was because of these sports that I felt I have some kind of connection to the Japanese sword and I want to learn how to master it. This is something, of course, that you cannot do your whole life. You always try to master something, but there is a way to go. And I wanted to go that way to see where it will lead me. Yeah, so I started at this university in 2009. This feeling that you need to try to master something that's hard to master, does that leak into other parts of your life, like in hobbies or work? Or is that part of your personality that you feel like you have to re yes, continue yes. improve? Definitely. So it's part of my personality that I always try to improve things. It doesn't matter if it's yaido or if it's cooking or learning some new things. I always try to be perfect, but I'm aware that you will never be perfect. But I try to get as close as possible to the point where you think it's close to perfect. And this is probably very helpful also for yaido because yaido has a lot of small, small points. And you have to think about every of these points very carefully and very deeply. So you do that in terms of trying to understand 
how do I have to do a certain movement? So there is not only the sportive part, there's also an analytical part. I would say I'm a very analytical person. I always try to think in all my areas, in my whole life, how can I do an improvement? How should I do things to be successful at the end? That kind of thinking, have you found any specific examples of things that you do outside of EIDL that has helped your EIDL in the way you think about it? Or vice versa, things after training in EIDL for a while that you see bled back into other parts of your life, that that type of thinking, that type of going into detail? I would say that in EIDL, first, when you start, you're not aware of this type of thinking. You're not aware how to improve. You're just copying the movements. And then after several years or after severe training, you are more aware that you have to consider small details and have to think also about small details to improve. And this is probably always the case when you start something new, that you're first a little bit lost. You don't know where's the way. And then if you have a good lead, then you will discover all the small things that you will probably lead to the right path. And this type of thinking is very special. I think when you look in your normal life, not in the sports life, you normally don't think so much. You just do things and then later you experience this was maybe not so good. This experience that I had in Yaido, where I have to be careful, think about things, be strategic. This was also helpful for me because when I'm now doing tasks at my work or when I'm meeting new people, I try to be more strategic. So I try to think first before I just speak. I try to listen to people and do not try to talk so much about me because the people are first not known. So if you want to know them, they have to talk. So this is maybe you can call that that you put your personality a little bit back and go more into the observing phase. I know that there are people who are in general very passive and observing a lot. But I think I'm not this type of person. So normally I'm very active and I try to make new connections. So I tried by training Yaido. I also tried to get these humble thinking more into my mind so that I can be more polite to other people. That is very, very cool. I've never heard anyone say it that way before because when I think about it, yeah, that is true. Yaido is so simple. The kata are short. So where is all the nuance? Where are the details? You have to be observant. And by practicing to be observant in Yaido to understand all the things that are going on, you're also training yourself to be observant in other areas. You're training that muscle to, to see things. That, that's very cool. So you started Yaido in university. When did you notice that there's a larger community beyond this one class that you're doing in Yaido? And then how did you start going into that area? First of all, when I started, I just know my sports colleagues. Some people stayed only a very short while in that course. Some people were more advanced and stayed there for several years. So they were also my, called it my senpai. But after a while, I was wondering how you can develop more. So this was probably after one to two years, not immediately during the beginning. I asked my trainer, how can I advance? Well, what are the possibilities? Are there any exams? Can we get any grades? And then he said, yes, there are possibilities of seminars. And if you like, you can, you have to pay, of course, for that seminar. It's normally during the weekend for two days. There are also possibilities to take exams. So 
oh, that, that sounds interesting. So I was aware that there are any that there are seminars and yeah, maybe one and a half years after I started, I visited my first seminar uh, and this was also directly in Essen. So it was a short way and the teacher at that time was René van Amersfoort Sensei and he gave the seminar and he was seventh Dan. The teacher in the club, he was third Dan and I was just a beginner. And this was my first seminar and I didn't expect too much. Probably I didn't make up my mind what is a seminar. Okay, for me it was just you go there, you will meet probably other people and then you hopefully learn something. And it was very interesting because if the first time you see somebody who is higher and can do Yaido better because they have more experience, you also experience different teaching methods. Because you have always, probably when you're in a club, a certain routine. And when you change the teacher for a seminar, they have another routine. So you break up your old habits and start to experience new exercises suddenly. Although you said, yeah, it is very simple. The kata are very short. From the outside, yes. As in a beginner's mind, definitely. Because when you learn kata 1 to 12, that's the Z and KR katas, then you think after a while, what else should I learn? I already did 1 to 12. So why should I continue the Fiaido? What What's the sense behind that? And then uh, you experience sometimes by visiting a seminar that there's so much more to discover because the teacher shows you what you can discover. So you cannot see that by yourself I think, in general. You always have to have a good teacher who shows you where to go and what to discover. So I realized there is a community and that the teacher was Dutch. So it was a little bit, not only German people, but so there was one people from the Netherlands, he was the teacher, but the rest, they were only German people. And I experienced also that the people drove many, many kilometers to attend the seminar. And this was surprising for me because I thought, okay, where are you from? You're, you're from Braunschweig, that's more than 300 kilometers. So you, you're going on Saturday morning, you sit in your car, and then you're driving 300, 350 kilometers to seminar. And on Sunday evening, you're driving back. That's interesting. So that you're taking so much effort just to participate at a seminar. So why do you do that? And these were questions in my mind at that time. And now I'm doing it the same way. So probably from a beginner's mind, this looks very strange. Does it make sense? If you want to train, you can do it in your dojo. Why do you drive somewhere? Why do you drive several hours? But the quality of teaching you experience during a seminar, plus the time, because there are many, many hours where you can develop, much more hours than in a regular training, are definitely worth to do it if you want to develop. And of course, if you have fun doing that, that's the most important point, that you want to do that. So that was your first seminar. What were the steps that brought you to eventually getting onto the national team? Because that's a pretty big jump. Yes. So this was the first seminar. Then I also did my first examination also in my hometown, Essen. And then there was a certain period where I was still at the university and a girl joined our Yada club in Essen, but she was not a beginner. Well, well she was because she was only Shoda, but in my eyes, she was already advanced because I was a Muda and she trained in a club close to Frankfurt. 
So she was from Frankfurt, then she moved for her master's studies to Essen and she wanted to continue Yaido and then she saw that it's possible at the university. So she joined the club and we became friends. And she told me that there are also championships because at that time our current trainer was not into this championship, said there is a championship. Yes, it's a German championship and you can join. But I was very surprised because from the time where I did athletics, it's not easy to join any German championships. You have to have certain qualifications. And then if you fulfill these requirements, you're allowed to join. So for example, you have to run that fast, you have to jump that high and so on. So I was thinking that there was a barrier and first you have to fulfill the qualification before you join, but this was not the case. And then she said, if you want, um, I can tell you a little bit more about this competition thing. And the next German championships is in Frankfurt area. So I said, wow, that's the area where you're living. Yes, that's true. And then she invited me that I stay in her parents' house and join these German championships. They are also for free just to get an experience. And then I, I, I joined the German championships the first time to get the experience. And surprisingly, I got a medal. So I was, it was not expected at all. And then I was third place. I said, wow, that's interesting. I didn't train hard and I just did it for fun. I was not aware how this is working. And now I won a medal. Hmm. In general, yeah, I do is fun for me and I like it a lot. Maybe I should put a little bit more effort in then I could be even developing more and quicker. So I thought after this success of the medal that I should take it more seriously. This was also a good time because I just finished my studies at the university. During my studies, I was very, very busy and it's more important in my point of view that you're doing uh, your studies well and not stopping them because you're doing sports. So because if you do the sports, it's for fun. You cannot live with giving courses. So at that time, I finished my studies and then I, yeah, my master thesis. And then I also had more time to concentrate more on Yaido. So I decided to do so, to use the time I gained now and to concentrate on Yaido. And this was the beginning. For me, it was one aim that I will just join once the German team for the European Championships. And at that time, it was if you're first or second, then you will be selected for the German team, first or second at the German championship, then you will be selected for the German national team. So I said, I just want to be selected. And it was also cool because you get a jacket where there's a German flag and your name and you get a bag with your name on. So everybody can see that you're on that team. But for me, just a goal, because at my first German championships, I was third. Maybe it's realistic that I can become second or first if I train more. So I just started with that. And then one year later, two years later, I cannot remember, I really became a second, I think. And then I was selected for the team. And I was very happy because that was everything I wanted to achieve. I didn't have any further goals. That's it. <laughs> and then it developed that suddenly I was selected every year. So this was never my aim, never. But yeah, because I trained more, I think my Yaido improved. And I, I continue to go to competitions in general. So I was selected because I think I just trained more. <laughs> when you finished your studies, did you continue training at the university or did you transition to a different I, club? 
yes, when, when I finished my studies, um, I stayed at the university sports club because I stayed in the same city because I continued to do my PhD there. So oh, I didn't so change the club. It must have been really impactful for you to be invited to, to go to Frankfurt and actually stay at someone's house and be able to participate for free. It's like, that seems like a very generous invitation into the community. Yes, it was a very, yeah, this was also my first time that I stayed at somebody's house. And it was not at her house, it was at her parents' house, because she was also a student. And it was, I, I didn't know the parents at all, but I was very happy that there are people who don't know me in person, who invite me to their house, because I'm friends with her daughter. So it was very nice. So also very nice experience. It's a very nice family. So you go to this championship and... I guess it's kind of like a seminar. How, how would you differentiate between your first experience at a seminar and your first experience at the national championship? The first experience in a seminar was general, very overwhelming. There were so many new things that I didn't expect, so many new people. When I joined the championships, there were also new people, but from the seminars, I already knew a few ones, so I knew a few faces. And I, I was happy to see the people again, even if you do not know them so well, because you don't see them every week. They recognize you, you recognize them. And it was a very friendly atmosphere. I was not too focused on the championships. This was my personal view that I'm just going there and having fun and experiences for the first time. There were also other people who took it more seriously. But in general, it was a very friendly atmosphere. And I didn't expect that if there is a serious competition, that the people are still open and friendly. But there's a huge fundamental difference, of course, because at the seminar, you have one teacher who's trying to explain things to you. And at these championships, you have to work for yourself because you have to, how do you say it? You're going there and you don't have somebody who's holding your hand. You know when you have to go there for the competition, for, for, for your match. And then the people are just there and concentrating during the competition on their own performance. And even there were also high grades, but the high grades were assisting mainly their students. Unlike in a seminar, the high grades are assisting everybody. And I was very lucky because I was, because I was friends with the girl who changed from her club to the Essen club. And when she came back for the championships, there were also some high grades. And I was very lucky because they immediately took me as part of their group. They also took care of me, although they didn't know me. And they said, okay, you're belonging now to our club, although I was starting for Essen. And then they saying, look, you have to do that, you have to do that. So this was also very friendly, in general, very generous. I can imagine it being very attractive to anyone that, to fit in and to feel like you're part of it when it's your first time. So let's move on to the European Championships. It's moved around to different countries. There are a lot of other participants from different countries. Maybe you can talk about the different experience you've had. Like, what, what are the European Championships like from country to country to country? What are some of the things you notice from the different people that come participate at it from all across Europe? After I was selected to be part of the German national team and going for the IDA European Championships, 
I of course ask the more experienced German Yidek, how is that? How will it be with the other people? How will it be in another country? Do you know or the other Yidoka? And so I heard a lot of stories. This was also important for me to get an image, how it will be. But on the other hand, it's very important after you hear all these stories that you go there and you just check yourself. How do you think it is? Do you have the same impressions? Do you have the same feelings to the people? And so I heard a lot of rumors and then I was there and I realized that it was 2014 in Finland. Yeah. A first time also for me to fly to Finland. It was, I realized that there are so many unbelievable good Yaidokas in Europe. I, I was able to be second at the German championships, but I was not able at all to compete from the uh, performance level with all these Yaidokas that came across Europe. It was unbelievable for me to see that they're in my grade. I was Nidan. So many advanced people who can be maybe even better because uh, before you always just, first you just know your club, then you know maybe your club plus a clue plus some of the other clubs in a closer area. Then I knew people from, from Frankfurt, from Braunschweig, and you suddenly you know people from all over the world and you, you see this incredible performance. And then you ask yourself, because I'm not taking it so seriously, for example, I'm not training every day. Okay, you're a part of the team, but you have also a normal life. So you don't train in the morning, during lunchtime, in the evening. And they were so good that I asked myself, are they training every day for several hours? How do they do that? And then later during, so during the fights, you do not have so much contact because I was new. I didn't know the people. And if you don't talk to the people, what you're normally not doing, if you don't know them, because there's competition and it's a serious one. So the people have to be, have to prepare themselves then you cannot really get an impression how they are, how are mentalities from other countries. So then after a while, uh, when the competition was finished, there was always the Sayonara party where you have a big party with all the nations and you can dance and talk to people. And then I started to, to talk to people and I realized that most of them are very friendly and also very open. So even if they're very good Yaidika, you don't sense any negative. They don't behave like they're something better than you. So maybe they are, but it doesn't matter because it's a sayonara party. You want to know the person behind the face. You do not judge somebody by their skills in doing yaido. And this was also interesting that you see that this sports yaido is giving a certain, say, education to people that they are still staying humble. Of course, there are many individuals who may develop something else, but for themselves, but I experienced that many people are still focused on their, yeah, that, that they are, that you call them, <laughs> it sounds a little bit stupid, that they, they are like a hu normal human being. They're not a god or they don't think there is something better than other people because maybe they won a medal at the European Championships or beat you in a competition. Well, you definitely don't have that vibe after becoming a champion yourself. So maybe you could talk about that. Like, what did you do to, if you can, couldn't even make it past in these early stages, how did you eventually become a European champion? 
Hmm. Yeah, during my first competition, I was very, I don't know if I was very bad, but at least I didn't want, I was not as good as the others because the referees decided uh, at that point that they will be able to continue in the competition and that for me, that's it, I'm out. Then you have these feelings, these human being feelings that you think, I, I trained maybe hard, I tried to be serious, but I was not good enough. How can I improve? Then you doubt yourself. And then after a while, you also have these feelings that you're maybe disappointed because when it happens once, it's okay, but it happened to me several times that I couldn't win anything on the European base. And then I was disappointed. I said, I trained hard. Well, what else should I do? But then after you get all these feelings, you have to think again about yourself and say, stop. These are feelings that are normal, but this is not the essence of idol. It's not about winning or losing. It's not about being happy because you beat somebody in a competition. It's just about continuously improving your skills. So going the path. And then I changed my mentality. I changed my mind and said, look, I have to concentrate more on improving myself, improving my Yaido skills, improving my character. It's not so important if I win a competition or if I lose a competition. But you really have to, you, first you say this to yourself, but you really have to feel it. So it's easy to say, but it's difficult to feel it in your heart that you will walk a path. And it's not about winning or losing or anything. You will always try hard. And if you lose, it's okay. And if you win, it's okay. So you don't have any very exaggerated emotions because you lose or you win. You shouldn't have anger or you shouldn't be very happy. You can be, because you're a human being, you can be a little bit angry. You can be a little bit happy. But then you shouldn't show that too much to the outside. You should reflect yourself more. So after I experienced many, many losses in Taikai, I really was sure that I have to change this mind. And I think I, I was probably successful by doing that. So, and after doing that, I was also more relaxed. And it doesn't mean that I don't take it seriously. I was just more relaxed because I didn't put pressure on myself. Maybe, and I also didn't let other people put pressure on myself. Some people in the beginning said, you, you're better than this guy, you have to win. And then you get maybe excited, but this is not the way how it should be. Even if people say that to you, you never know what it happens, what will happen. Maybe you lose your sword or maybe you will, you will forget the kata or whatever. You just have to do your best so that you have no regrets. And then I started to train, continue the training seriously. And I started to do that without any regrets. And then sometimes I won. And you can see that other people came to you and say, look, you won. That's so great. And they're happy. And for me, it was, I can understand that they're happy, but probably they're more happy than me, than I am. Because it's not about, I told myself, it's not about winning or losing. It's about improving. And I will not stop my path, even if I win or even if I lose, it doesn't matter. And then in 2017, I won every match and then I was in the European Championships final for Sundown category. And then I was, I can remember, I was a little bit, how do you call it? I was a little bit excited because it's the final and maybe I can become European champion, maybe, but I have to win that final. But of course you cannot predict if you win or lose because the other guy, he was from Poland and he's uh, also very, very good. And you cannot look into the future 
how it will go. And then I saw, I calmed down myself because I can remember that the whole German team, I was the only one in the final, the whole German team was sitting in the back and I, and I know that everybody is wishing his best so that I win, so that Germany has one victory because we are one team. And after thinking about that, slowly I felt the pressure coming. And this was not good, I said, because this is, doesn't matter. So I, of course I want to win. So we are all human beings. And if you ask somebody, do you want to win or do you want to lose? Normally everybody wants to win. I said, okay, mm, I have to be less, I have to have less emotions. I have to do my best. And it doesn't matter how it will be. If I'm second, I'm not disappointed. If I'm first, I'm not disappointed. I'm not happy. I'm not too happy. So even if I'm second, I won't be happy. If I'm first, I won't be happy. I have to concentrate on this match. So I did. I concentrated on the match and then I won 2-1. 2-1 is also um, not a clear result. It's, you see that the level is very high and that the people are all very, very good. And then everybody was so happy. And I was also happy for a moment, but only maybe for one or two minutes. Because after this, it was just... It, it happened. It's a one-time victory, a one-time impression. But if you, after five minutes, if you do the match again, maybe the other guy wins. So it's <laughs> just a one-time a one impression. And you always have to think about that this one-time impression can change quickly. And it doesn't mean that you're the best in Europe. This doesn't mean this title. And yeah, we, we had a nice party and so on in the evening. And I think that all the rest was maybe much more happy when the, than I was just because it was a title. And then you're proud as a team that somebody won the European title. But for myself, it doesn't mean too much. It's nice because you, you make it you, like a task. You make a tick behind that and say, look, I, I achieved that task. But does it change anything? No. You're hopefully the same person as yesterday and the day before. And you're hopefully also not changing the day after in a negative way because you accomplished something. So this shouldn't be the philosophy of martial arts. You should always stay humble and you should always think about your behavior to other human beings. It also sounds like what you were most happy about was that your teammates were happy that you were thinking about how they would feel if you were able to gain this for Germany. And when you saw that they were happy, that was probably more of a source of happiness for you than it was yourself winning the title. Yes, you can say that because um, just one person, there were maybe 12 persons. And I was happy also to see that they're so happy. <laughs> that, 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 that's right. And this was very, yeah, I was, I, I didn't tell the people. So I, this is very, all what I told is very personal. I didn't tell to all the people now that, uh, of course, I told them something like, thank you for your support, because I was thankful. But I didn't tell them that I think that they are more happy than I am, because probably during that time, it will also destroy a little bit the, <laughs> the, the atmosphere. <laughs> I could totally agree with how they were feeling. So that was 2017, and we've been talking about Yaido a lot, but I see that you're also part of the Jodo team that won a championship the following year. Could you briefly talk about how, how did that end up happening? How did you end up getting into Jodo, being part of the team, and then having that success? In 2014, I started to train Jodo. 
So uh, in 2009, when I was starting Iaido, I was not aware that there's a martial art called Jodo, because in Germany, this is even less popular than, than Iaido. So only 100 people are doing that. So it's not well known. I was lucky because of my five years Iaido experience. I learned how to move the body. So it was for me easier to cope that stick with the Joe because I was not total beginner in martial arts. And then because I had this Yaido experience and also the Taikai experience, I decided I will just also try that for Jodo. And because we are less people, it was also very easy to get in this team. And I had this knowledge about the European Championships. So I just um, decided I also want to try that for Jodo. Because I like it a lot. I like the sports a lot. And if there are possibilities to train on seminars or on championships and also Taikai is training because you're showing your, you're showing your skills under pressure, then uh, I want to take that opportunity to improve myself. And then I was always the beginner and I was in the team of more experienced people. And I think in 2018, we were team European championship. The year before, we were vice European championship, 2018 team European championship. And I just grow into that. So it was not a certain objective to be again in a team or win some medals. I just continued the sports. I just continued to try to improve. And this was finally the result of that. Okay, so we're approaching the end of the time. Do you have a few more minutes to, to talk? It's, yes. It's, okay, thank you. So it's been about 10 years since you got into Iaido. How have you noticed the art and the community change in Germany over those 10 years? And then where do you see it going? What's the trajectory for Iaido in Germany? I can remember that 10 years ago, the highest grade was Godan. And it was very rarely seen that there are people about that grade. And then rumors spread around that if you're fifth, then you nearly mastered Iaido. And as a European, it's nearly not possible to become sixth or seventh then. So this was the image in Germany that I got. And there were a lot of very experienced fifth dens. And then I can also remember that there were much less seminars a year. Only three to four seminars a year in Germany, and that's it. And over the years, I knew more people, and especially outside of Germany, there were also people who had rank higher than, than fifth then, so they were sixth then or seventh then. And then I realized that it, it's possible somehow to become a higher grade. And in the next years, you also saw younger people who took the challenge to the sixth then, and they are already... Um, after a few tries, they also passed this challenge. So in Germany, the quality of Yaido is improving constantly. And the people who were fifth then 10 years ago are sometimes today also fifth then. So I don't want to say that they didn't progress, but they just didn't took the next challenge for the sixth then. But some other people did, and therefore the Yaido is improving because also the teachers are improving by taking higher grade challenges and are judged by, of course, eighth or seventh then advanced Yaido car. So I see a very positive trend for Germany, 
And we also recently got somebody who is now seventh then. We, we had a woman. She was seventh then for many, many years. She, she is still seventh then. And um, now we have a second seventh then in Germany. Ten years ago, nobody would think about this possibility that this is really going to happen. And we also have now many, many sick dens. And if you are fifth then, you're... There was a transition from 10 years ago where you were a high-grade teacher, now as a fifth then to high-grade student. So maybe you're a teacher in your own club, but on seminars, there are now higher grades. So as a fifth then, you're also considered as a student. Of course, when you're sixth and seventh, then you're always a student because there's always somebody higher than you. But on the, if there's a German seminar without any Japanese people, you may be the highest one, that's the sixth then. So the last question, COVID has caused a lot of us to not be able to see others in the community, whether in our dojo or at international championships. So because this podcast is mainly focused on spreading more of that international feel, that people from a lot of different countries all feel the same thing towards the art and have the same passion. What are some of the relationships you've developed over the years going to European Championships, seeing more people internationally. Who are some of the people that you want to see when COVID is over and you're able to travel again? If we are allowed to travel again, and maybe if in the next year there will be also championships again, European Championships, then I would really love to see many of the people from many different countries, especially all my friends from the Netherlands and Belgium, I'm in close contact with them because Germany and the Netherlands and Belgium, they also share one border. It's not so far away. You can go there by car. So I really would like to train also again with them, not only see and talk, but also during training, you share a lot of different experiences with each other. I also would like to see the people from Italy again, or from Hungary, from Finland, from Sweden. So I wouldn't say that there are specific countries where I do not want to see the people again. So in general, I have over the last years, I made friends in a lot of different European countries, and I really would love to see them again soon, if this is possible. That's great. Thank you so much for all of this. Do, do you have anything else that you might want to say? If you, you heard some of the episodes, you know that there's going to be people from different countries, people that don't know you, people that don't know Germany or Europe. Is there anything that maybe you would like to share with other people around the world in terms of the IATO community? That's a difficult question in terms of what do you want to sh what I want to share about Germany is that if there is a prejudice that all the German people are drinking beer and <laughs> wearing leather trousers, that's not true. That's only in Bavaria, and also not all Bavarian people are doing that. So, um, for example, I also don't like beer at all. I'm a German girl who really hates it because I don't like the taste. So um, I would say you're always welcome in any German club to learn Yaido. And I think the people are quite open-minded and open-hearted. I hope it, uh, sometimes it's a problem with language because not, uh, I think the younger people are better in English language. So if you're coming from abroad, then I think there would be some younger people who will assist you to do some English translation. 
And I would recommend if you have the time and the opportunity to come here by yourself to see what type of country it is, what type of people are. And in every country, uh, there are, of course, people who are more open-minded and also people who are less open-minded. But personally, I would welcome everybody who wants to experience this country or also Yaido in this country. Thank you so much. I can't wait to have a chance to visit, hopefully, when this is all over. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah, and thank you. I hope it was also interesting for you to listen to these different stories. Oh, absolutely. The, the stories are different, but the heart behind it are very similar. And I think it's great for people to hear, especially your take on it, how you're so analytical about us, but you're still passionate. Both of them are mixed together very well to, to demonstrate why you've become so strong in your Yaido. You have to enjoy the art, but you also have to think deeply about how to improve. So I think you communicated it very beautifully. So thank you so much. Thank you also very much. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode because we have a lot more exciting conversations to share as we explore the world of the traditional Japanese martial arts. The Inside Look podcast is available on most common podcasting platforms and on YouTube. Remember to subscribe to not miss out on new interviews as they are posted. We're always looking for feedback to improve, so please write us a review or drop us a line at podcast at tokushikai.ca or on Facebook and Instagram at tokushikai.canada. Until next time, thanks for listening.